morning, our reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. <clears throat> Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This ends the reading. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm Tim Householder. I'm one of the pastors. Welcome to worship. As Pastor Mark said earlier, we're in a series called Overflow. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. Uh, taking one of them each weekend of worship and focusing on that uh, discipline that uh, allows us to deepen our faith, allows us to be filled up uh, with God's love, and it, it fills us to the point where, uh, like a glass being filled up, or a cup, it gets so full with the presence and love and grace of God that it spills over into the lives of those around us. So the goal is to overflow God's love into the lives of those around us, to have our faith impact others for the sake of Jesus Christ. A couple weekends ago, uh, actually, uh, as we do a quick review, um, we've done the two disciplines Pastor Mark and Pastor Tammy have already preached about already in worship today. The first one was, was worship. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mark talked about the spiritual practice of worship and how that fills us up to the full and it, it spills over. The, talked about having this recognition of, of a God of abundance and love and grace that's so amazing that, that when we gather for worship, then that's our attitude and our lives are an attitude of generosity and worship and we give God praise. So we had a chance to do that already this morning. Last weekend, Pastor Tammy talked about prayer and walked us through this great exercise of palms up and palms down and talked about some practical ways to pray, and we've done prayer this morning. So we're two for two with the spiritual disciplines already. If you missed any of these messages, I want to encourage you to go online to our website, and you can uh, hear uh, these great messages about the spiritual discipline of worship and the spiritual discipline of prayer. But today, uh, we're, we're going to move into the third weekend of Lent and talk about uh, something new. So I want to start by putting a verse up on the screen from Psalm 119. And uh, you can see the screen. I want you to, to read it out loud with me, okay? Here we go. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. This is a prayer in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, praying to God and saying what? Your what? Your word. So your word, your, your scriptures, your teachings, your, your holy word, that which comes from God's mouth. Your word is a what? It's a lamp. For your what? For your feet. So therefore, it's a light to your path. Well, think about that for one second. That might be a familiar verse for some of you. 
But just think about what this is saying, because it's such a beautiful verse, and a lot of us, we know it from memory, and, and we've heard it somewhere. We've heard it sung somewhere by Amy Grant way back in the day. But this is an amazing verse. We just pause on it and reflect on it for one second. Because we're saying God's word is not just printed on a page. God's word is not just something we read and worship or teach out loud to our kids. It's, it's something way more than that. Because this prayer in the psalm is asking God, make your word that we preach and teach and read and hear, make it a lamp for my feet. Make it a light for my path. In other words, when I'm doing life, I want your word to guide me. I want your word to light the path of the way I should go. When I'm at a crossroads, Lord, I want to see the path that's lit up and obvious versus the way of the world or the way my heart or mind wants me to go. I want you to light the way, even if it's more difficult, even if it's more challenging, I want to know your path. Lord, I want to know your word so well that it is a lamp for my feet and it lights my path. As we think about that this morning, um, to sort of get practical and to sort of apply it to our lives we're living, how many of you know, I'm not saying you're in one, how many of you know someone right now in a men's college basketball pool in a bracket? How many of you happen to just know someone who might be in one of those? Raise your hand, go ahead. It may not be you, but you know someone. Now, March Madness. Just say an amen if you're kind of into this. Go amen, go ahead. Amen, all right. All right, so some of us can hear about this tournament. Some of us could even read about this tournament on our phones, on, in the paper, wherever, listen to the news on the radio or see it on TV. We might kind of from a distance hear about it, read about it. Some of us live it. Some of us have watched over parts or all of over 40 basketball games in the last three days. I'm not saying I have, but I know people. I will come clean and tell you sometime around January, I looked to see the first Thursday of games and I blocked my calendar. I blocked my calendar, I get my lazy boy, my remote with new batteries, an extra screen and my phone screen and the TV screen and I recline and I have basketball. I have 16 games on that first day and then I gather sometimes with friends on that day. We live it. If you, live final, if you live the final four, just go ahead and say amen, just calmly right now. Amen. So some of you are with me on that. I do appreciate the prayer team coming over to my house at 10.30 last night to pray for me after Kansas lost. I appreciate that. They laid hands on me and prayed over me that it would, no, kidding, they didn't. But There have been some great highlights, there have been some upsets, there have been some great plays. There hasn't been a play better than the one I'm about to show you, and I bet some of you have seen it already. Watch this nine-year-old um, with cerebral palsy playing basketball. Watch this. Hey, 
Let's, let's hear it for him, huh? That was Austin. He's nine years old, and he's in West Virginia, and his teammates helped him not just hear about making a basket, but he got to actually make a basket. There's a big difference, isn't there? Love the way he's going down the court, high-fiving everybody, looking to his teammates, going like this. There's something about it when we experience something. There's always this balancing act between reading about something and, or hearing about it and actually doing it or experiencing it. What is that gadget in your life, that machine or that thing in your house, that appliance that you've used and you kind of know how it operates but you don't always remember? Mine is my snow thrower, okay? Um, I have this snow thrower and we're lucky here in Chicago. We don't have to use this too often, do we? Oftentimes we just get to use our what? Our shovels. But sometimes we have to get the snowblower going. And for some reason, I have this mental hiccup. I cannot remember the steps all the time. Or I can't remember the lever on the choke. Which side is which? Like, is the left to start? Is it middle? What is it right? How many pumps do I give it? Is it, wait, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the blower that, you know, the, the yard blower that gets more. And so if you're like me, you kind of have to go back to the manual once in a while. So I keep mine in the drawer in the garage right by the snow thrower. And I have to go back to it. And I get so frustrated because I'm like, how can I not know this? I've run this thing, you know, 40 times what have, over the year. What, what is it? And, but, but sometimes I just have to go back and refresh my memory. Oh, yeah, the, the clutch is all the way over to the left. It only takes two to three things with your thumb. One, then you start it. Then you put it in the middle. Then you let it run for 20 seconds. But I don't remember that all the time. Just me? Just me, apparently. There's a difference between reading something and knowing about something. I'd like to turn to Colossians, uh, our text today. So I want to spend some time uh, in this text with you. Colossians is in the back of your New Testament. And if you get past the four Gospels and the book of Acts and Romans and the Corinthians, um, and you get to Philippians, just keep flipping and you'll get to Colossians. Thank you. I'll be here all day. Colossians 3, 15. Let's pick it up at 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Now 16, lean into this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Back to the beginning of the verse again. I don't want you to miss this this morning. Let the message of Christ dwell, some translations even, in you. The Greek is in you. Let the message, the word of Christ dwell among or in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Let that sink in for just a second. What is the scripture encouraging us to do? To know God's word. To not only read God's word, but also to live it. To have it be a lamp for our feet, a light to our path. To have it in us, among us, in our hearts. To the point where we know the word. 
We know the words, we know the teachings of God and Jesus to the point where it is a lamp. It does guide us. It is the light which lights up our path as we do life. Are there any Jeopardy fans here today? Jeopardy. Raise your hand. Jeopardy. All right. Don't be shy. Anyone else record this every day and watch it in the evening after the news? Again, just me, I think. Okay. You're learning a lot about me today, aren't you? How many of you know who this guy is? This is Ken Jennings. In the year 2004, Ken came on as a contestant to try to beat the champion that day, and he won. And the next day, he won. And the next day, he won. And he won. And he won. And he won. And he won 74 games of Jeopardy in a row, and he won $2.52 million. Yes, I said $2.52 million playing a game show. Why? Well, he was very quick with the buzzer. He had the timing down perfectly, but also that wouldn't be enough, would it? He had to have a lot of knowledge in the old bean and a lot of trivia. He had to know a lot of stuff. It had to be in here. He couldn't hear the question from Alex Trebek and then go, hang on a second, Alex, let me look that up in my trivia book here I brought with me. And then buzz in and go, um... Yeah, that's uh, Queen Elizabeth. Who is Queen Elizabeth? He, he didn't, it had to be in him. When we read the word, when we hear the word of God, God's call, God's encouragement today from Scripture, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, is to have the knowledge of God, the words of Christ, in us so that when life presents itself to us, when there's a path to take, it's already in there and we know. We know God's will for us. It's a powerful, powerful thing. So what words are in you? What words are in you? Are you ever driving in your car and an old song comes on and you can just sing along the lyrics and you haven't heard the song for maybe two decades? Can anyone experience that? You just got the words, right? They're in there. Is that creepy or what? Right? You hear a jingle from an old commercial and you know the words. They're in you. Right? Some sayings from your grandparents uh, who are no longer with us. A parent, they, 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 they're in you. Your favorite shows, your favorite movies. You're really good at quoting the movies and the show and impressing your friends. Those things are in you. What about the word of God? What about the teaching of Christ in the Sermon on the Mount? In chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's Gospel. Do you know those words? You know the characters and the stories of everyone on your favorite sitcom and your favorite show on Netflix, but do you know the matriarchs and patriarchs of Scripture and do you know their story and do you know how God and his word were a lamp, the words of God were a lamp to their feet and lights to their paths. I mean, these are big questions for us in the season of Lent as we think about not only reading God's word, but living God's word. Back to Colossians 3.17. I want to put that up on the screen with you now. Let's go ahead and just put that up there. Read this verse with me again out loud. Here we go. Ready? 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Go back to that first line. And whatever you what? Do. Circle that. Whatever you do, not just read or hear, whether in word or deed, what's the next two words? Do it. Circle. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The text today from Colossians is encouraging you and me to live God's word. Not just read it. It's one thing to, to know it and, and, and absorb it and, and hear it. It's another to do it. And whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. And so when we do life, and there's someone in our life who's wronged us, and there's a path to take of revenge, or Jesus teaching, turn the other cheek, or Jesus teaching, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. When you do life and a relationship is struggling, a marriage is on the rocks, and Jesus says, except for matters of unfaithfulness, paraphrasing now, get back in there and fight for your marriage. What God has joined together, let no one separate. When you're ready to do an act of charity or give a gift, you know, Jesus says, don't do what the hypocrites do and blow the trumpet and, and, and let everyone know about it, but, but do it in secret. Your Father will reward you in heaven. When you're wondering about your portfolio and how much more you can get and how much more you can keep for yourself, and Jesus says, oh, here's a path for you to take. Don't store up treasures on earth where rust and moth will come, but store up your treasures in heaven. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's reading God's word, and then there's living God's word. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 2, in the Old Testament book, we hear this, let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. Think about that as we get into the season of spring and the spring rains coming our way. Let my teaching, God says, fall like rain and my words descend like dew. And here's this line, like showers on new grass. Maybe we could covenant together this spring Every time it rains, think about these words. Think about these words where God says, let my teaching fall like rain, like showers on new grass. And we think about our engagement with the word of God. Every time it rains, let's remember, yeah, I'm supposed to be reading God's word and living God's word and, and doing everything, whether in word or deed, in the name of Jesus. I need to know God's word. I, I want that rain to fall on me. I want to I be like the grass, and I want it to help me grow in my faith and my relationship with God. John 20, 
in the Gospel of John. John 20, verse 30. Near the end, the Gospel writer says, But these words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, at the end of the Gospel of John, the author is saying, you know, I, all these things were written so you'd come to faith, but not just, not just, but then have life, to live life, to do life in his name. So it's one thing to read God's word and another to do it, and it's one thing for me to stand up here and say, okay, go, go, go read it, good luck. It'd be another for me to give you a practical plan, right? So here's, an, here's something I've been working with for a long time in my own life, and I've suggested it to others along the way. And A mentor gave it to me decades ago, and so I'm going to pass it on to you. It may not work for you. It may not fit for you. But if you're someone who's willing to re-engage with God's word again and not sure where to go and start, this might work. Or maybe you are engaging with God's word, but you're feeling a little you know, dry or a little burnt out with your path or your pattern, maybe a new path or a new plan might work. So here, try this on. Are you ready? I'm going to ask for a huge commitment up front. Huge. Seven minutes a day. Seven minutes. Not an hour, not 30 minutes, not even 15 minutes. Can you read scripture for seven minutes a day? Do you have that time? If you don't, can you make the time? Why just seven minutes? Well, I want you to run a marathon. I don't want you to run a sprint. I want you to have something so manageable that you can't say, well, I don't have seven minutes today. Seven minutes. Not thir 30 minutes. You, oh, well, I wanted to read scripture today, but I don't have 30. Seven minutes. Just enough. Just enough, and then pause, and then Pray about what you've read and how it may apply to your life, but seven minutes a day. And where to start? I'm going to suggest you pick one of the four Gospels to start. Pick a Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Matthew, if you want all the details. Mark, if you want the Cliff's Notes. It's the shortest, it's the shortest one. Mark doesn't mess around. Luke, if you're an intellectual type, he was a physician. You, you might want, you know, you intellectual types, you might connect with Luke better. John... You're the artist. You're into prose and poetry and you love the beauty of words and John will take you right there. Pick one of those Gospels and then jump to the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts because it follows the Gospel. So read one Gospel, jump to the book of Acts. It's what happens in the first century with the disciples and the first century believers and how the Gospel advanced and advanced and advanced throughout the ancient world of the first century. Then finish the New Testament. Once you finish the New Testament, I'd encourage you to go back and read the other three Gospels because they will fill in the gaps that the Gospel you picked did not fill in. So you read the other three Gospels then, and then you'll get all of the, the depth and breadth of the story of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Once you've done that, go to the Old Testament and start. How many of you have tried to start reading the Bible in Genesis and you're like, this is awesome, these stories are great. Then you get to Exodus. Charlton Heston leads everyone out of slavery. It's so awesome. They're part of, and uh, Yule Brenner couldn't stop them. And then you get to 
Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Oh, I'm dying here. And you give up. So maybe this path. Read it. And let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. And now, the other side, I only have two steps for living it. Are you ready for the first step? It's pretty important. If you're going to live God's word, are you ready? I says, are you ready? Here we go. You got to read it. You can't live God's word unless you first what? Read it. That's the column on the left. And step two, I know this is a really difficult concept. Do it. Do it. Reading God's word, coming to faith as the gospel writer of John said, having it dwell in you richly, but then live it. Have the word. And let's bring Psalm 119 back up and let's bookend it this morning. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Let that be true in your life. Let this Lenten season, this year, right here, right now, be the year you commit to this, that you're going you're gonna to engage in a new way, in a wonderful way. Whatever path, whatever plan you take, it's fine. But, but just to, to commit and re-energize with God's word and say, yes, I want your word in my life, God. I want your word to guide me. I want your word to be a lamp and a light for my path. You know, in September... We give our young people here a Bible. We gift them with a Bible, and the parents come up, and some of you have done that, and we pray over our children that, that we'd bless them with a Bible. And I sometimes bring my own Bible that I got in fourth grade from my parents, and it's got my name in here uh, engraved and, and everything. And I just think of the scripture today from Colossians. My parents gave this to me during Lent in fourth grade. And they didn't give it to me so that God's word would dwell somewhere around me or somewhere nearby me. Their prayer was I would open this up and that God's word would dwell in me richly. And by coming to faith in the words therein, I would then live out my faith to the best of my ability. God's word dwelling in us is a gift if we accept it. Friends in Christ, my encouragement, my plea, my prayer for you today is for you this Lenten season to once again say yes to God's word in your life and let it light your path. Can we pray? Lord, we thank you for your holy scriptures which guide our lives. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, give us a hunger to know your word and then to live it out according to your will. Lord, stir us to be people of faith, to be people who walk your path, inspired by your holy word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen.